When you need medical help fast, use NHS 111 online to go from home to an urgent treatment centre. Mr Williams, please come through. Or a pharmacy. Hello, pharmacist will see you now. Or if needed, stay where you are and get a call from a nurse, doctor or paramedic. Get assessed and directed to the right place for you in as little as 90 seconds. Use NHS 111 online. This is our People podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hi and welcome to Our People Podcast. I'm your host, Harry Newhouse, and for today's episode we will be talking to some of our staff from our vascular department. September is Vascular Disease Awareness Month and here to discuss this and all things vascular is trainee advanced clinical practitioner Gemma Davison and consultant Dr Adriano Salatena. Welcome to the podcast, Gemma and Adriano. Good afternoon. Thank you. Gemma, please could you introduce yourself and explain what your role is here at the Trust and what that involves on a day-to-day basis? Um, so my name is Gemma Davison. Uh, I've worked in the uh, vascular director for 14 years now. The day-to-day role uh, varies. It's The role is multifaceted and does depend on service needs as well as patient needs. My new role, I've just become a trainee advanced clinical practitioner. So I'm currently doing my master's at Sunderland University. So really my role still interlinks with the specialist nurse role. It's quite hard to say what we do on a day-to-day basis as every day is quite different and that's what makes the vascular service and team uh, exciting to work for. The role is primarily is the link between the consultants, uh, the secretaries, ward staff, uh, inpatient and outpatient settings, as well as the community teams. A lot of our work is autonomous. We do uh, our own lead clinics, uh, which is mainly uh, wound care and leg ulcer management, uh, but we also work alongside the vascular consultants in their clinic. So we do see and manage and assess a whole wide of vascular uh, symptoms, uh, diagnosis and treatment uh, with that. So it's quite varied, uh, but it, it works quite well with the vascular consultants and uh, what the service needs. And how are you finding your masters? Uh, quite good. Uh, coming to the end of the first year, yeah, so it's it's quite good. It's quite nice to see that we've got good support from our team. Um, this is a new role, uh, an ad- advanced clinical practitioner within the service, so it's quite good to see that we're looking at uh, different ways to improve our service and, and develop pathways to improve the care that we, we give to our patients. The same question to you, Adriano. Um, how, uh, what's your, what does your role involve on a day-to-day basis? Oh, good afternoon. Well, um, I'm one of the consultant vascular and endovascular surgeons here. My job involves routine patient care for elective patients with vascular conditions. So we do regular ward rounds, general day-to-day clinical care, and the elective operations on a wide range of vascular conditions, um, post-operative care and the follow-up of those patients. We also do um, emergency on-call work for life and limb-threatening conditions, and I also have a regular outpatient clinic in this site and across the trust. And we do emergency hot clinics, which I think we're going to talk about later when we're on call. Together with that, I have a regular endovascular theatre list for performing angiograms and stents, and hopefully on patients who are trying to avoid to performing major vascular surgery on. That's my clinical work. 
Um, I also am the vascular junior doctor lead and the education lead uh, for the department. So this involves sorting out uh, any of the junior doctor issues that may occur, um, any training issues, recruiting doctors for unfulfilled um, positions, and generally being a sounding board pretty much for any of the junior trainees if they've got any problems. It sounds very busy. It is busy. <laughs> um, and for any listeners that are maybe unsure, uh, could you explain what vascular is? So vascular surgery is basically the treatment of any condition affecting the major arteries and veins in the body, excluding the heart and brain in most cases. It involves diagnosis um, of conditions affecting them and investigations and treatment, and also the modification of vascular surgical risk factors in the population, which is very important. And a lot of the time, um, a lot of explanation and reassurance um, to the patients that the conditions they have can be managed with risk factor modification rather than surgery. How big is the team and uh, does that include many different job roles? Well, from the medical side, um, we have a team that involves nine and soon to be ten consultants. And within this, there is a mix of open and endovascular surgical experience. So endovascular means doing intervention with stents and angiograms and open surgery is the old-fashioned surgery that you would um, sort of know and see on telly and things like that. And we have a mix, like I said, of open and surgical experience. Some surgeons are predominantly open surgeons and some are predominantly endovascular and there are some that are a mix of the two. And most of the new surgeons that are coming through now are a mix of the two, but with a um, more focus on the endovascular side of it. So there's 10 of us. We have six um, vascular surgical registrars, so our trainees. Three are actual, uh, have national training numbers and then we have three trust grades. And we have two core trainees, which are at sort of the old SHO level. And we have four for, uh, foundation year doctors on the ward. And then we have our specialist nurses, which I'll let Gemma talk to you a little bit more about. Yeah, so recently we've, uh, one of our nurse specialists has gone into an advanced clinical practitioner role. So Elaine isn't part of the, the role of a specialist nurse, or her role has now enhanced and developed. And she's taking forward uh, venous intervention um, and actually... Um, it's very focused on advanced clinical practitioners that are looking after or will look after varicose veins in the future. We then have or will have uh, soon to be four vascular nurse specialists with me still in the mix being uh, part of my role still within the specialist nurses uh, and then uh, training to become um, like Elaine to be an advanced clinical practitioner. We then have our ward staff so our junior ward manager, uh, junior sisters a team of nurses that are brilliant on the ward, healthcares, uh, domestics, our secretaries who are brilliant. We have four of them. Yeah, without them, we couldn't function. Um, so uh, the team's quite diverse. Um, we also have a diabetic foot coordinator who works from podiatry with us uh, to create a liaison between them. And we also have a multidisciplinary team coordinator. And um, for any surgery we do, we have to put our, our figures into a national vascular registry, and we have a data clerk for that. That's the team. That's a team. It's quite a good team. We work well together. We help each other out. But yeah, that's it's a fun the, team. That's yeah, the soul all, of the we team. We all got well. So yeah, we we it's a good uh, place to come to work. Brilliant. And it's a big team. And so you're training to be an advanced clinical practitioner. How, yeah. how long is the? So that's a three-year course. Um, masters doing advanced clinical practitioner. Um, Elaine already had her master's, um, so her role um, has been developed um, for that. So eventually, um, myself and Elaine, the, the varicose vein service, um, which I think we'll come on to um, within this podcast, will essentially be uh, advanced clinical practitioner-led rather than consultant-led. 
Um, so the VEIN service will essentially be specialist nurse and advanced clinical practitioner and only a consultant will be involved if there's any, if, if that's required. Um, so it's really pushing the, the service forward into a different direction, which is quite exciting and quite new. Brilliant. And uh, we're going to talk about all those sort of things now. But before that, what other departments do you work with? So you mentioned there you work with the diabetic yeah. foot nurse. Yeah. It's much more... Yeah, we, we um, work with pretty much all the major departments in the hospital. We work with radiology. We very, work very closely with them um, because a lot of our work as endovascular surgeons takes place in the interventional radiology suite. And we collaborate and operate together with them. Um, we have meetings with them to make decisions on patients to work out which would be the best treatment for them. So we are very close with them. We work with the diabetes team, as we were saying before, and we have strong connections here as a large number of our patients have diabetes and subsequent vascular disease due to that. So there is um, a strong working relationship is essential here. We work with medical physics as well. Um, a lot of our patients need investigation and imaging and subsequent follow-up after treatment. So we work closely with them. And they also take part in our multidisciplinary team meetings. Uh, and they actually work in turn closely with the stroke physicians. Because, again, a lot of our work involves uh, treatment of patients who've had strokes when we operate on carotid arteries. So we have an active relationship with them and they take part in our multidisciplinary team meetings as well. We work, again, with the renal physicians. And, again, a big part of our, our work comes from the renal team because there are a lot of vascular problems in patients who have renal disease, which can follow on from those patients also having diabetes. So we get involved in renal access work for, for dialysis um, prior to transplantation, if they get uh, to, to that stage, and all the subsequent management around that. Our renal unit, um, just interestingly, recently has had a major grant for expansion, so hopefully um, all this will bring in a lot more work from the renal access point of view. So hopefully going forward we'll have a, a good, strong basis and foundation for that. And together with that, we're pretty much involved with any other surgical specialty in the hospital um, that has any need for us either as an elective um, procedure or in the emergency situation. And sometimes we actually cross cover on other sites in the trust if there's an operation, say that orthopaedics or plastic surgery are doing, that may involve any major vessels, we get involved with that as well. So we're pretty much involved in, in most of the day-to-day the -day departments in the, the hospital. Mm -hmm. So September is Vascular Disease Awareness Month. Um, could you explain what sort of uh, diseases that covers and what are the most common ones? Okay, so um, you can split up this into arterial and venous diseases. So first of all, arterial diseases, these include things like aortic aneurysms, which is one of the major conditions we deal with. Um, the incidence of that is about 5% in people over 65 years of age. And it's a condition that can be fatal um, if the aorta or the aneurysm that you have in your aorta gets big enough to rupture, which is why we have the national aortic aneurysm screening program in place and this is to check what normally happens every, every gentleman over the age of 65 will be scanned to see if they've got an abdominal aortic aneurysm if they do then they're followed up and until such time that it becomes big enough to need treatment uh, if that's the case then they get referred on to a vascular surgeon if not and they don't have an aneurysm at the time they get discharged However, not everyone takes up the offer of a scan, so now's a good time to make the listeners aware that um, if they've not had a scan and have been invited for one, they, um, they can contact their local centre and have a scan. It's simple, and it means that you are being proactive um, to screen for a condition that you may not know you have until it becomes a serious problem. We're also involved in, the treatment, involved in the treatment of carotid disease, as we mentioned before, which is disease affecting the artery to the brain. So in patients who 
have um, TIAs or mini strokes that you see adverts on the TV for. Um, if they get to their doctors um, as quick as they can, they can then be referred to us in case they need surgery for that condition. And we work out which patients need treatment and if they need an operation or if they can be med managed medically. We are heavily involved with peripheral vascular disease. So that involves a lot of our patients who come in who get referred in with um, pain in their legs when they're walking. This is uh, due to usually the arteries or the veins to uh, various degrees. Um, and this can range from pain in the calf, basically in thighs on walking, to pain at shorter and shorter distances until there's pain when they're resting and in, uh, pain in bed at night. And then subsequently development of ulcers and gangrene on the toes and feet. So that's the main part of the arterial work that we do. We also deal with venous disease, and the majority of this being varicose veins and the, uh, the complications of these, such as leg ulcers, which Gemma may be able to tell us a little bit more about. Yes, well, a leg ulcer is a wound on, on a leg that is there for more than two weeks. This may develop accidentally. Patients will come in and they, they may have just knocked it on, on the oven or on the side of the bed. And if it hasn't healed within two weeks, then it's then uh, developed into uh, a leg ulcer. Lots of our patients uh, come to us for an assessment of that and a diagnosis, and we'll assess them by taking a detailed history. Uh, to treat a leg ulcer, if it is coming from a venous cause, you have to rule out arterial disease, because arterial disease, if there is a narrowing or furring up of, the, of an artery, then that might be another cause as to why the ulcer uh, isn't healing. But we'll take quite a de detailed history, um, talk to the patient about any signs or symptoms of arterial disease, uh, look at risk factors, medication, uh, look at their general mobility and overall general health. We'll then do an examination and then decide whether they are suitable to go into compression or not. We'll also arrange for patients to have a venous duplex scan that has a look if there's any veins in the deep system or the superficial system that are a contributing factor to the venous leg ulcer. Uh, and if we're able to treat the venous disease, then that's something that we'll bring the patients back to discuss and see if they are willing to go ahead with uh, treatment. We would advise it so anyone who has had a or has a leg ulcer or who has a healed leg ulcer, uh, they ought to have a vascular opinion to see and, and be put forward for a duplex scan uh, to see if they've got any veins that we can treat successfully as we know that if we remove uh, the vein that's in essence not working properly that will help with wound healing but also uh, prevent reoccurrence. So the venous side of things is quite massive. We have a large population within South Tyneside, Sunderland and Durham with patients who have been in long-term compression or are currently not in compression for whatever reason. So it, it's, quite a, it's quite a big undertaking looking after those patients. As you've mentioned, uh, you work with a lot of other departments. Having other diseases such as diabetes, does that make uh, people more at risk of, of the diseases that you've just mentioned? Yeah, very much so. Um, I think about 30% of our population has diabetes. And so you find that um, because of that, that can affect any system in the body, uh, usually the vessels, the kidneys. And again, if, if it's affecting the kidneys, it can then affect the vessels again. So yeah, a lot of our patients have diabetes and it's one of the big risk factors that needs controlling, basically, um, together with a few of the others we can talk about. And a shout out to the diabetes team who did an episode with us early in the season and uh, just talked about how it's preventable and, 
and sh- just shout out to them. And if you haven't, if you haven't heard it, I'd recommend going to to listen to it. So, how does someone get tested if, uh, if they uh, to see if they have any vascular diseases? So, a lot of our patients are referred in via GP, uh, nurse practitioners, uh, podiatry, and the referral process is uh, it very much depends on how urgent that referral is. But routinely, patients are seen in an outpatient clinic. A lot of the assessment is is made as soon as you meet the patient. You know, you're assessing how they're walking into clinic. Are they walking in fine? Are they walking in with a wheel? You know, with a Zimmer frame? Are they using a wheelchair? How well are they getting onto the couch? Can they take off their socks and shoes independently? So all the time you're kind of assessing the patient to see whether how how generally fit they are. In terms of assessing arterial and venous disease, I think the vascular nurses, as well as the consultants, we, we kind of do the same history. Yeah. I don't know about yourself, but yeah. you, th- you, you can ask five or six questions and then you can find out whether they've got arterial disease or not. So really, the, the essence of it, and you've got to remember that a lot of our patients are coming in with leg pain or um, numbness to the feet or an elevated ABPI, and actually not any of their symptoms are related to vascular. So quite often, by taking a detailed history, you're actually telling or reassuring patients that they don't have vascular disease. Mm-hmm. So it, there's no one set test to say that they have got arterial or they have got venous disease. It's very much taking a very detailed history, asking about their symptoms, when do they occur, is it both legs, is it one leg, do they have night pain, how far can they walk, what else is stopping them from walking, is it pains in the legs or is it shortness of breath, do they lie in bed, are they not able to get to bed on a night time, so there's all these, this, the history is so important to find out whether they have got arterial or venous disease. We would then ask about uh, general risk factors. So the reason why we work so closely with stroke, renal, diabetes, cardiology, it's all the same disease process when it comes to arterial disease. So atheroma um, is essentially furring up or narrowing of the arteries. So we want to know whether our patients have had previous heart attacks, have they had a stroke, are they diabetic, what's the HbA1c, have they had previous DVTs or PEs, and then we would take an examination. So we would physically feel for pulses that run down your legs, so in your groins, behind your knees and in your feet. And then taking the examination alongside the history, we would then determine whether patients have got arterial disease or whether actually their arteries are fine and it's all coming from a venous cause. Um, so I think our history taken is pretty much the same, whether you're an aneurysm, a carotid, and that yeah. suspected arterial disease. A simple history, in, yeah, in, encompassing all the relevant risk factors is a good start from, from that point of view. Um, one of the things we get a lot of referrals from GPs where we get asked to see patients because they've got an abnormal ABPI, which is the ankle brachial pulse index. Now, when if a patient has actually got pulses in their feet, then it's very, very unlikely that the um, symptoms they're having are arterial regardless of what the ABPI is and isolation it's not very useful so we get a lot of that and it's uh, trying to make the listeners aware especially people who are referring on to us that it's more the history that's important how far they can walk have they are they having pain at rest pain at night if they've got a pulse present it's very unlikely to be a, a vascular condition regardless of what the ABPI shows. Brilliant so what, what can someone do to protect themselves from such diseases? 
Well, um, risk factor modification is the, uh, the mainstay of kind of vascular treatment before you get anywhere near to having an operation. The main risk factors are pretty much um, the risk factors for atheroma for most of the population, which the main one is smoking. Um, it's the main cause of atherosclerosis, so we are very much involved in trying to get our patients to stop smoking, because um, that's the one thing that is going to make a lot of difference. And if we can, before we ever treat anybody, we would like to get them off any cigarettes if possible, because anything we do to them will be more short-lived if they are still smoking. So that is the main risk factor. Also, as we've mentioned before, diabetes is another big one. Um, it affects all the body systems, the heart, the arteries, together with causing severe peripheral vascular disease. Um, and uh, the majority of our patients who have amputations, who end up going on to amputations, are patients who have diabetes, who then smoke as well. Mm -hmm. So that combination is pretty much fatal in terms of for the patient and for their limbs. High cholesterol is another risk factor. Uh, and pretty much seeing the um, GPs, they can be started on medication that will help lower their uh, cholesterol because we always want our patients to have low cholesterols. Um, so basically, the, the take-home message from this is don't smoke, keep your blood pressure under control because blood pressure is another uh, important factor, reduce your cholesterol and take regular exercise if you can, together with p potentially having a balanced low-fat diet and no smoking, as we <laughs> said. So we're also uh, building a new in investigation and intervention unit at Sunderland Royal. Uh, what is this unit and how will uh, your department be involved? So I believe this unit, the IIU, is taking over from what was the medical day unit. For vascular, this means that our angiograms are going to be cared for within this unit. Sorry, what's an angiogram? So an angiogram is... So if you have got arterial disease and we've confirmed that with the history and the examination, uh, you would then be put forward for a duplex scan or a CT scan. And we do a lot of angiograms mainly for rest pain or skin loss. So if anyone has skin loss to the, to the feet or they have ischemic rest pain, um, they're not sleeping at night, they're not managing pain-wise, um, we would offer them an angiogram. And that is very dependent, it's very patient-centred, so what one patient might be offered will not be suitable for another, and it's very variable on the whole patient, so how they are generally, you know, with their overall fitness, their breathing, how big the lesion is, if it is suitable for a stent or a, or a, a, a plasty. But an angiogram is, in essence, is where we... It's a day-case procedure. Patients can... They come in, they lie flat... We basically puncture their femoral artery, uh, insert catheters and guide wires down into, um, into the lower legs. Uh, the clinicians then inject contrast or a dye, which then we can then x-ray. And as the dye runs through you know, your lower vessels, they then take pictures and that can see where the uh, disease process or, or areas are. And then if it is safe to do so, they'll then deploy a balloon or an angioplasty or put a stent in. So this is a relatively safe procedure. We do an awful lot of them, but we generally uh, leave it to patients who are a very short uh, distance claudicant who have rest pain or skin loss. Years ago, patients used to come through medical day case, so they would come in the day of, have the angiogram and then go home the same day. Currently, uh, our vascular patients for an angiogram are going through DORSA, which is uh, same-day um, admission, and they have the procedure, and then they, they then go home. Uh, basically, this will mean that patients will now come in through IIU 
have the said procedure uh, for angiogram and then uh, be discharged home the same day. I think the, the process of this is trying to free up at DOSA and to, so that more patients from other specialities can go through that service. We're also going to start uh, our venous service from IIU. So um, venous treatment includes radiofrequency ablation or pharmacotherapy. Um, and once the department opens, um, the vascular team will be performing uh, that procedure down in IIU. So for, benef- for the benefits, really, just um, it's going to be a really nice new environment. It's, good. it's a brand new space. It's something that we'll be able to, uh, our patients will still be able to have the procedures comfortably be cared for and then discharged home, preventing inpatient beds and freeing up other spaces around the hospital. And it also increases our throughput because we do a similar thing in the Durham Treatment Centre. So we have dedicated nurse-led, the advanced care practitioner um, led varicose vein list there every week, every Friday, um, for the pretty much the whole day. So it'll be another set of treatments that we can deliver here as well. So it'll double our capacity basically. So it means hopefully our patients won't have to wait as long. Yeah, I bet you guys are looking forward to it opening because I bet it benefits staff as well. Absolutely. To the unit. Absolutely, yeah. So it can attract people to the unit as well. Brilliant. I know uh, you run something called Hot Clinics. Uh, what are they? So a hot clinic is something that the team set up uh, during COVID. As with other specialities, we went through times where we weren't able to see patients or outpatients weren't, uh, wasn't an option. It's in line with vascular society pathways. Yeah, the targets that we have to targets. meet. So basically we run it Monday to Friday from same-day emergency care. So we use uh, SDEC and uh, their facilities and it's basically a one-stop clinic for anyone who might not be able to wait as long for the next outpatient appointment. Now, vascular work is quite emergency-led. We kind of see patients, and then if they need to be operated on, we kind of get them onto the next available list. What Hot Clinic um, does is it brings people in. We assess the patients. Uh, it's predominantly run by the vascular nurse uh, who's uh, been assigned to that clinic for that day. Uh, We assess them, we have a timed allocation for a a duplex scan which which is performed in medical physics and then if needed we also have an allocated CT slot which uh, uh, radiology provide and it's basically a way for a patient to come in, have all the investigations if they're required but uh, if they need admission then we can admit them uh, directly onto the ward but in essence, it's a way of uh, preventing that from happening and, and for the patient to go home with, a, with really a diagnosis and a management of whatever their condition may, may yeah, be. Yeah, so I think NHS England, um, they've got a, this innovation, they've called it the Commissioning for Quality and Innovation. It's called Sequin. And so it puts a lot of pressure on the trust to try and get things done quickly. So basically, for a patient who has critical ischemia, so they've got ulcers or gangrene on their toes, they need to be treated within five days of being admitted to hospital. Mm-hmm. So what the hot clinics do is that, um, they, we, like Gemma said, we, can, we run them five days a week. So by having all the imaging done on the same day, it dramatically reduces um, their waiting times and it can hopefully improve the patient experience. Because we have angiogram lists pretty much every day in the department now. So for example, if in some cases, if a patient comes in on a Monday with a critical foot, uh, and they can be imaged and they can have a diagnosis done and potentially admitted and treated the next day, especially if they have a lesion that can be treated that way. 
So from that point of view, it means that they can be treated successfully, quickly, and the trust can meet its targets. So it's actually been a good innovation in terms of you get everything seen quickly for patients who may have to wait a fortnight to be seen. It's also a good way of like bringing patients in who may have had a procedure um, last week and, and the community team are a little bit concerned or podiatry aren't happy with how um, a wound, for example, is looking. And it's really a, a clinic where we can put people in mainly for peace of mind for the patient. Mm-hmm. They know that they can come, they can be assessed and seen and then a plan um, made for them. Um, which really prevents hospital admissions. It stops them from sitting in A&E, waiting for a GP appointment. They can uh, be referred directly to the vascular team um, or the on-call team. And then um, if they feel it's it's suitable to go into the hot clinic, then it goes in, uh, the patient goes into the hot clinic and then they're really managed and assessed and treated. Sometimes you'll get a referral and you think, ah, that needs to come to the hot clinic and you bring it in and it doesn't. But that's okay because you've got those slots there somewhere where a patient can be seen and even reassured. Because we're also on targets for carotid artery surgery as well, we have to try and operate on patients who've had any symptoms of TIAs or anything like that within two weeks. We can also, if they've been referred up in time, we can see them on the next available hot clinic. They can be seen by a surgeon or specialist nurse and a plan made if they're suitable for theatre and then they can have their pre-assessment done and it can be put onto the next available list. So again, it cuts down the waiting time, which which is what we're all trying to achieve. Yeah, brilliant. And when obviously COVID happened a couple of years ago, and it still is, but how it must have become such a necessity to have something like that. Well, it did because at the time we had, I mean, it, it sort of varies in the amount of people you have on the clinic, but it used to be about, I think, four patients on the clinic and we dropped it to two when... Obviously, we didn't have COVID, but it was essential during COVID because it meant that patients who were actually seeking help as opposed to sitting at home because they were too scared to leave, they could come and be seen by the, the vascular team who were still obviously all there working and to to get assessed quickly mm-hmm. and admitted and treated. Because I think we're quite a service where you can't actually review someone over the telephone. So I think it, during COVID, it was very much some specialities went to telephone consultations mm. and... Um, whereas we physically needed to see patients. We work from Durham University Hospital as well, and at that point they uh, stopped outpatient appointments, so we weren't able to see any of the Durham patients. So it was really, it's really a clinic where someone can come in, get any treatment or any requirement or any tests that they need, and then a, a, an action plan and a management plan is set off from that, from that patient. Yeah, I mean, it's mainly for critical legs, but like I said, we see carotids as well. But um, also because, as we mentioned earlier on, that you, you get referrals from the National Aneurysm Screening Programme. So sometimes you may get a big aneurysm that comes in from the screening programme and they refer it up to you. So we'll bring it to the hot clinic and we can use the CT scan slot there to get their CT done because we usually find that the delay in patient's treatment, which needs to be treated from the screening programme within eight, within eight weeks, is the time to get the CT scan. So if we can bring them in, see them, then they've been seen by a surgeon, they can have everything explained, they can have their, their CT scan done, and they can be assessed by anaesthetics at the next available time. They um, have a slot for them, and they can also have their CT scan then discussed at the next available angiogram meeting that we all do, and they can have a plan made very, very quickly. So I think, yeah, you, you rather than the eight weeks that sometimes it can be done in four weeks, we're not saying that's what we do every time but patients can be seen quicker if we use the facilities that we've got for that. And you mentioned there that uh, you also do work at Durham Hospital, uh, is it University Hospital? It is, yeah. 
that merged in 2019? Yes, it did. Um, so there were initially um, five surgeons out in Durham doing vascular surgery, but three of us actually came across when there was a reconfiguration of services in 2019, as we've said. Um, the reason why that happened was because over the, the years, there had been about six units in the region that did vascular surgery. So you had um, the QE, the Freeman, you had Durham and Sunderland, you had Darlington, and you had James Cook. But if you look at evidence of results of patient outcomes, it was found that if you do more volumes in small, of a case in a certain centre, then you get better results. You get better training because you, you, your um, trainees get more of the, the cases. So hopefully you get better outcomes. So at that time, the services were all reconfigurated and we ended up with three centres. We had Freeman, north of the river, ourselves in the centre, in Sunderland, so Durham came across to Sunderland, and Darlington, which was under County Durham before, merged with James Cook because of the geography. There are some bits in the middle, like Bishop Auckland and um, places like that, where it's sort of a six and two threes as to where you go. But that hopefully means that for certain, aortic, uh, certain conditions, particularly aortic conditions that you may not see very many of, like thoracic aneurysms, mm -hmm. they're all done in one place by surgeons that deal with them a lot more. So, for example, if you had um, each unit doing three of these a year, you're not going to have a lot of experience in each unit. But if you put them all into one unit and you've got someone doing 10 a year, mm -hmm. then that's going to give you better results. Um, so that's how and why the our trust in, in Darlington, uh, sorry, in Durham and Darlington merged with Sunderland. This happened at the same time as the merger as Southtown side and Sunderland. Has it helped move the department going forward? So the vascular team for uh, Sunderland um, already was the vascular service for Southtown side. Um, so the merge, um, we were basically the service for at least 20 uh, plus years. So in terms of the merge within the two trusts when Sunderland and South Tyneside came together, it didn't really affect the vascular team uh, as such. The, uh, in terms of at that same point, so we the merge with Sunderland and South Tyneside and then the merge with Sunderland and Durham, I think the, the best outcome from that is that we actually became our own directive. Prior to that, we were always linked with general surgery so I think that I feel like the best outcome for the vascular team in general was becoming our own director, yeah, getting our absolutely. own business manager, uh, our own matron, and our own trainees that only did vascular surgery and didn't have to cover any other any other specialties. So I think the merge was quite difficult. Basically, bringing a whole arterial centre uh, across from one trust to another. I think everyone involved did a really good job in doing that, and I think I think it did overall help our own our whole vascular outcome and uh, I think the care that we uh, give our patients is um, pretty good is pretty good yeah with that it, it does mean that we now cover a bigger area so our Sunderland is in essence the hub the all the major vascular work is done here all our aneurysm our angiograms our bypass work our amputations our spoke sites are South Tyneside, which we still uh, do regular outpatient clinics there, consultant and nurse-led clinics. We also have clinics at Durham Treatment Centre, and that's where we also offer our varicose vein service for Durham patients. We do clinics at uh, Durham University Hospital and Bishop Auckland, 
so when you look at our catchment area, it's, it is quite vast. And I think the way that the vascular directive is going with appointing new consultants, new vascular nurses, expanding our roles into ACP, uh, is really looking at how well the trust uh, looks after vascular and how well uh, the more that we can offer, the better service we can provide to our patients. I think that's a brilliant note to end on. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, Gemma and Adriano, for joining me today. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Our People Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up to date with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.